Should we add rising global temperatures to that list of the inevitable? Or is there something else that can be done? Is that thing adaptation? A massive behavioral shift? These are some of the questions that come to mind as we begin this September 10th, 2021 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On this program, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors is briefed on the county's efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to address climate change and lessons in adaptation from officials from across the Mid-Atlantic from the recent Resilient Virginia Conference. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, help support Black-owned business in the Charlottesville area. You can check out the Charlottesville Black Business Directory at seavilleblackbiz.com and choose between a variety of goods and services, ranging from professional services, e-commerce, and beauty supplies. Visit seavilleblackbiz.com as soon as you can to get started. It has been about a month since the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change issued an update on progress toward efforts to keep the average global temperatures from rising above 1.5 degrees. Achieving that ambitious goal will take coordinated action at all levels of government, including the county level in Virginia. Earlier this month, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors learned the county is not currently on track to meet a goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 45% of 2008 levels by the year 2030. A second goal is to become at net zero by the year 2050. To get there, the county has a climate action plan that supervisors adopted in October of 2020. Gabe Daly is the Albemarle Climate Program Coordinator. This report increases certainty in what we've already known. Uh, you know, greenhouse gas emissions from human activities like burning fossil fuels, deforestation, um, other sources of greenhouse gas emissions uh, are causing climate change. Daly said the IPCC report also links increased instances of extreme weather with climate change. He said there is a sense of urgency in the report, and the Climate Action Plan is intended to document the various ways emissions can be reduced. You know, the Climate Action Plan has 135 actions. They run across uh, five chapters looking at transportation, buildings, renewable energy, uh, waste management, and landscape, agriculture, and natural resources. The plan will help guide investment in various programs. So far, Albemarle has provided funding to the Albemarle Home Improvement Program and LEAP to install energy-efficient improvements in homes of people with lower incomes. Uh, that program has been going really well in the first six months of this year. Uh, we had 15 homes that were retrofitted with uh, better insulation, uh, with improved uh, appliances to help reduce homeowners' energy bills, and then, of course, the weatherization, providing more insulation to, to help folks who are losing a lot of heat. Daly said the county is working on an assessment to determine who and where in Albemarle is most vulnerable. That work has been funded by the Piedmont Environmental Council, and a report is due in mid-November. But what about emissions targets? To get a sense of where Albemarle currently is, a greenhouse gas inventory was conducted based on data from 2018. We calculated that in 2018, the community-wide emissions per county uh, were 1,419,367. Uh, metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent. We calculate that uh, we saw a 10% decrease in community-wide emissions 
between our last uh, inventory in 2008, which is the baseline for the county's targets. Daly said that happened despite an increase in population, which generally leads to an increase in emissions. He said explanations include greater fuel efficiency, the increase of carbon neutral or lower carbon energy sources, and more efficient heating and cooling systems. However, to hit the 2030 target, Daly said the community needs to cut reductions by another 40%. The next inventory will come out in two years based on data from 2020. The University of Virginia, Charlottesville, and Albemarle County are working together to implement various action plans. Supervisor Diantha McKeel wanted to know how that work would influence various policies, such as how to move transit fleets away from fossil fuels. We have five transportation systems in this community of less than a, well, somewhere around 150,000 people using diesel buses right now. And I understand there's a change in Almar County Public Schools towards school bus, electric school buses, and that's all great. Um, But what is our outreach to CAT and to the university all working together? I mean, I'm not, where is that connection happening? McKeel referred to a statement made earlier this summer that CAT is continuing to study the right way forward and is pursuing a study of compressed natural gas. Daly said that transportation is the largest sector of emissions and there is a high priority to address those issues. He hoped that further program development of the Climate Action Plan will help facilitate those conversations. One of my next steps is to you know, reach out to them and hear in a little bit more detail about how that's going and then how you know, us in the, in the climate program can you know, be supportive. Like, what, what can we do to help advance that effort? Lance Stewart, the county's director of facilities and environmental services, said a closed-door group consisting of UVA, Albemarle, and Charlottesville staff has touched upon climate at their meeting. The Land Use and Environmental Planning Commission last met on July 23rd and discussed the University of Virginia's plans to comply with an executive order from Governor Ralph Northam to reduce single-use plastics. Just a quick disclaimer before we go forward, PEC is one of my sponsors, and Leap contributes through a $25 a month Patreon contribution. I am not involved with either organization beyond those transactions and the occasional copy. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second Substack-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Jazz Society at seavilljazz.org is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of all that jazz. And there's no time like now to find a time to get out and watch people play. The Charlottesville Jazz Society keeps a running list of what's happening at seavilljazz.org. In our second and final segment today, let's go back in time a bit to last month's conference on adaptation from Resilient Virginia. The nonprofit organization seeks to build awareness of available resources to plan and build for a world where the weather has warped. All over the country, scientists and planners are turning resilience from an abstract concept into policies. 
Amanda Martin is the Chief Resilience Officer for the state of North Carolina, which is based in that state's Department of Public Safety. We were created in 2018 after Hurricane Florence when this um, additional massive infusion of federal recovery funding, and and I say additional because we had just had Hurricane Matthew in 2016, it became clear that the state needed some new administrative capacity to handle disaster recovery funds. One result of the department's formation has been the establishment with the North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality of a North Carolina Resilience Plan. Part of its purpose is to coordinate activity across multiple state agencies and to define working regions. The scale of community and the scale of region is really important to address resilience challenges. Um, That's both because of the legal and regulatory authority that local government has, but also because of the regional nature of a lot of our climate impacts. A lot of them are um, bigger than a municipality, but smaller than a state. Martin said in North Carolina, cities are taking on the resilience work in regions, and one concern is that rural areas may be left behind. The North Carolina plan seeks to address that balance. In Virginia, much of the focus has been on coastal resilience, where Rear Admiral Ann Phillips is the special assistant to Governor Ralph Northam for coastal adaptation. Phillips said Virginia is not as far along as North Carolina in terms of planning. We are just starting down this path. We have taken some substantial steps through the course of a number of gubernatorial administrations, but uh, have been kind of challenged to get over the hump to actually get started and get moving because there was no direct funding focused in this area within the Commonwealth's budget or fiscal plan. Phillips said Virginia has been fortunate to not have received a direct hit from a major hurricane in recent years, but preparations are underway to know how to respond. In Virginia, the Secretary of Natural Resources is the Chief Resilience Officer, and that person has been Matthew Strickler since action by the General Assembly in 2020. My position was created by the 2018 General Assembly. I do not effectively have a direct staff or a budget. That is still the case. Uh, However, with the uh, joining Virginia joining the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative and creating in 2020 uh, a coastal a, a Commonwealth wide um, uh, flood resilience fund, um, we now have the capacity to do statewide studies of significance. A master plan for coastal adaptation is underway and is expected to be ready for review in November. Another recent change in Virginia has been the joining of the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. So far, Virginia has received over $89 million from proceeds from auctions of carbon credits for companies that are likely to exceed their emissions caps. Of the REGI funds, 50% go to a Department of Housing and Community Development Energy Efficiency Fund. Uh, 45% go into this Community Flood Preparedness Fund. The rest goes for the administrative costs. The Department of Conservation and Recreation administers that Flood Preparedness Fund. Phillips said around 6 million of Virginia's population of 8.5 million live within eight coastal planning district commissions. The Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative covers most of the Mid-Atlantic. Sean O'Rourke serves two roles. He is the managing director of the Rhode Island Infrastructure Bank, and he's also the chief resilience officer for the state. He has held that position since September of 2017 and helped create the Ocean State's first resilience plan called Resilient Roadie. We were looking at all the natural hazards and impacts that the state was facing 
uh, with regard to climate change and to be able to propose solutions across a number of themes, critical infrastructure, natural systems, emergency preparedness, and so on, that could better prepare Rhode Island. Um, and we learned a few things along the way. Resilient Rhodey suggested 61 actions for state government to take, including what the municipal role would be. One of the things that I say all the time is, uh, better prepared municipalities are going to equal a better prepared Rhode Island. Um, and that's exactly why we established a municipal resilience program as an outcome of our resilient roadie strategy. O'Rourke said the infrastructure bank is lined up to fund projects to support adaptation efforts, prioritized by a number of factors. The bank has funded over $2.5 million of action grants in its first two years for stormwater management projects and infrastructure upgrades. Um, they are re- oftentimes very targeted, specific projects that they know they need to get done now. Um, and stormwater management very much falls into that uh, into that category. We're seeing roads and bridges and parking lots flooded all the time. We're addressing those issues, that low-hanging fruit, to demonstrate progress and momentum. And then working with these municipalities on the larger, more complicated projects that maybe don't have permitting or design as a technical assistance follow-up. Since O'Rourke and the others spoke, Hurricane Ida caused dozens of deaths across New England, and some parts of Rhode Island received up to 10 inches of rain. Now, we've heard from North Carolina and Rhode Island. The major difference in Virginia is that cities and counties are independent of each other. Here's Rear Admiral Ann Phillips with an explanation. We have 38 independent cities in the Commonwealth of Virginia and then 95 counties. Um, And the independent city moniker is quite unique. Uh, There are 41 in the country and 38 in Virginia, 10 in Hampton Roads. So what that means is um, cities are entirely responsible for their own destiny. Phillips said regional cooperation will be crucial in Virginia's efforts to adapt. The state's role is to try to help um, align efforts so that we can move forward um, collectively to uh, try to make progress. How much coordination is occurring at this local level? That is a question that Charlottesville Community Engagement will continue to seek to answer. Your homework, should you choose to accept it, is to visit the Climate Action Together website to see what Albemarle, Charlottesville, and the University of Virginia have done and might do. And then let me know what questions you have. What steps have you taken? Is climate change something you don't think will affect your life? Either way, I'm curious to know. Leave a comment below or drop me a line. You can also just reply in the newsletter. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for September 10th, 2021. I would like to thank everybody who has supported, the Patreon folks, the Substack folks, and of course, Ting. Ting uh, has chipped in uh, and is matching the dollar amount for when you subscribe through Substack. So whether it be $5 a month, $50 a year, or the founder's level of $200 a year, they will match that, and uh, which will help keep me going that much further. There are a lot of questions to ask, and there are a lot of information to bring to you. Uh, And of course, my hope is that you will provide me with some information too. Um, Because of course, this is a community, and I'm just one person in it. You are supporting independent journalism, just even if you're just listening, you're supporting it, sending it on to other people. Uh, That's exactly what I want to do and why I'm so glad that you are out there helping me do it uh, so I can stay uh, on 
with it. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'll be back uh, soon with another one. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and um, be resilient, like Rhodey of Rapture. <laughs> <laughs>